Another episode, another episode of Rants. What up, Dud Nation, to another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my splash bro, and my co-host, Zach. My guy, um, busy start to the school year, but how you doing, my guy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Should I said that like five times? All right. <laughs> that should be your catchphrase, like, um... I'm good. Yeah, probably should. Um, are the Warriors good? That's the question. I mean, 26 and 24, they're in a really – what's the – one word to describe the Western Conference. Wide open. Two words, but it's wide open. Yeah, wide open. Um, I mean, where are they at? Four or five seed territory? They're fifth seed. Fifth especially seed. With, yeah. 26 and 24, going a little bit – bit of a run before the all-star break put yourself in good positioning maybe make a deal at the trade deadline uh i'm pessimistic about that but <laughs> see what happens so just unpack everything that has happened since we last recorded which was like three weeks ago or something like that yeah We're yeah back. but like yeah but like to start like 26 and 24 with all of his like clownery that has happened this season, like three and seven on the road, the Draymond punch and pool thing, um, Wiggins getting hurt, Kaminga getting hurt, um, all around. It was like really poor, but somehow they're the fifth seed. And I'm even like, what is it like surprised by that? Because I just thought, hey, they were just gonna like float and just coast, but hey, uh, they're coming back and they're finally gaining that synergy. Um, that we are witnessing in these past two games too. So I do want to ask you, like, what changed for this team? Like, was there a shift in something? Because I feel like there had to have been something, right, to, to see this change happen. Uh, I think the emergence of – jeez. All right, we're good, we're good, we're good. Um... <laughs> Here we go with the catchphrase, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Just said it again. <laughs> I just said it again. Um, I'd probably say the emergence of Jonathan Kaminga, obviously. I think that's one. Um, also like to point out that the Warriors are now 3-0 and and after Steph threw his mouthpiece. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, last year we had the kicking of the chair era. Warriors won on a run. Um, the year before, in 2021, Steph yelled at the whole bench against the Clippers. Oh, the Clippers, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they went on a run after that, but Steph, like, turned into demon time mode and should have won an MVP. I mean, if the Warriors made the playoffs, it could have had a better chance of winning the MVP. Um, I think the emergence of Jonathan Kaminga is probably my number one choice that has helped the Warriors. Um, Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench is another one. I, I think the only problem I have with the Warriors right now is how slim they are. They're running an eight-man rotation, and that's not if you include Anthony Lamb, who's a two-way player who, I mean, doesn't really suit my needs. And the team's needs is all because he's terrible as a defender. I mean, he knocks down that three-point jumper, three or four of those a night. You know, 
that's good shooter, I guess. But, you know, besides that, shouldn't be on this roster come playoff time. And I think the Warriors need a big just from the fact that James Wiseman is currently making $10 million and sitting on the bench. And I think a divorce is needed with the Warriors and James Wiseman send him off on his way. And, you know, it's just time to break ties, you know. It just didn't work out. This is like marriage counseling this has gone, gone into. It's like it's not going to work out. Joe Lakin means to suck up his pride and just send James to Utah, bring Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley in here, and trade a first-round pick with Moses Moody. We're all set. I mean, you could get Jakob Pertl, even though all the Warriors Twitter analysts are saying that Jakob Pertl got cooked by um, would he get cooked by what they were saying? I don't know what they were saying, but that's an option as a big man. I just think there's just too much um, on the shoulders of Draymond and Loon, and I think that'll hurt them down the stretch, which is what yeah. they didn't have with Otto Porter Jr. last year. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, start with, like, the things that changed. Like, I think they kind of had this urgency where, hey, if we don't start to pick it up, we're going to, like, start to fall behind. And I think the Warriors, I think, like, the older guys knew, like, right now, like, you know, these young guys aren't going to, like, help us. They aren't going to, like, let us coast this season. They were like, oh, we have to get into playoff mode right now or else we're going to be a sinking ship. And, yeah, um, the shortening of the rotation definitely helped that. And um, the lack of size, like you mentioned, like, I, I saw this on Twitter, too, um, comparing Anthony Lamb and JTA how if you're relying on Anthony Lamb to be your eighth guy off the bench, that's bad. It kind of reminds me of like a JTA as eighth guy uh, on that 2021 team. Like he's great energy, makes some plays, but like when it's all said and done, he's not a playoff uh, playoff rotation player. And that's the case here with Anthony Lamb. If he doesn't have that knockdown three or he's like five of six or something, He's useless in the game, right? And then, yeah. and then it's just the same story in every single Warriors loss. Fouls, turnovers, and poor basketball IQ. Yeah. Number one suspect in that scenario is Jordan Poole. There are, oh my gosh, like <laughs> every single night, there are so many decisions that are just so questionable and head, and head scratchers. It's like... You know, that's why I did not blame. And the play against Memphis is where Steph eventually got ejected because he threw his mouthpiece because he was just so frustrated with Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole ended up redeeming himself, getting the game-winning bucket. But just the gets the ball and he just decides to chuck it. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Excuse it was me, a 12 sec- It was 12 seconds left on the, call- on the clock with like a minute left just for exactly. context. But I'm there's just it's the carelessness. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. But I think just see, just we'll just see. We'll see. We'll see. Just needs to limit that. Just needs to limit that. <laughs> Why is that though? Like, what's up with the poor basketball IQ? Is it because defenses know that uh, what his game is about? Like, they know what they're looking for. Like. I mean, Is it that? I, I think last year there wasn't too much film that teams could study him on. Um, and he and last year he 
grew up and took a big leap and now signed this big lucrative deal in the offseason. And I think teams have studied him and how he plays and what he does on the floor. I think a lot of teams understand that he's not the world's greatest defender. So target Jordan Poole. I mean, I, I just think him and Clay are similar in the fact that, you know, just don't don't chuck, you know, when this team OKC was a perfect example. There was a possession where OKC was getting back in the game. It was a fake comeback. They were just knocking down random threes left and right. And there's like four seconds of the shot clock and Clay gets the ball and he just shoots a three. Like it's no setting up the offense at all. And the Warriors ball movement earlier in the game was beautiful. They were, it was pure, perfect Warriors basketball. And Clay just decides to pull up, three-pointer, bricks it, then Thunder go down and make make a bucket. I mean, it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And I think that's, also part of the reason why you know the warriors are 26 and 24 currently yeah um i think that too can be attributed to like the amount of threes they they shoot each game like i think they shoot like 40 plus threes a game yeah just take it to the rack once in a while guys come on yeah like they keep uh running split actions and i'm like i mean yes it, uh, it works but like let's switch it up a bit because we don't want to be shooting like 43 times from three and only have like 20 like two point field goal attempts, like um, they're starting to become too dependent on it because of obviously the lack of size. But you can't shoot your way out in a lot of games because if you well, look, can't make them, you're probably gonna get blown out. Yeah, look if at you're the, this team right now. That game against Toronto where Steph had 38, 30, high 30s. He was 30s. like 35, I don't remember. 30 something. I think, I believe he had like 18 points in the paint because he was just taking it into the rack. I think Jordan Poole needs to start doing that because he's, he's good at it. And we've seen him be quite good at just being aggressive and taking it to the hoop. Andrew Wiggins is quite good at that. Just take it to the rack, get contact, get a foul, go to the line, shoot two, three throws. You don't need to shoot 43s a night. That's all. Yeah, I think yeah, the the three happiness is a uh, a little much sometimes. Like the only per like only like only three guys I am comfortable taking like seven plus threes a game is Steph Clay and Jordan Poole. Anyone else? If you're make shooting more than seven plus threes a game, like what are we doing here? Like that's not that's not your game, all right? And yeah, that's just my message to that. Um, yeah, especially Anthony Lamb. <laughs> Okay, he had a lamb in like Lynn's sanity run or something like that, but now he's come back to earth. Warriors fans like turning on him or something. But I've always yeah. been against him for other reasons. Yeah, uh, but you know, whatever they do in the court, it's all right. Well, it's fine. Um, okay, I think because of the trade deadline um, coming near, I think we're about like a week left. I think. Um, the big conversation is around the kids, but it's mostly between like Moses Moody, James Wiseman, PBJ Rollins. Like the four spots. untouchable youngster on that team is Jonathan Kaminga. End of story. Agreed. Agreed. And it feels like Steve Kerr is sending a message to Lake of like um, Moses Moody and James Wiseman are not going to play, like unless there's garbage time minutes. Um, unless you trade them. I feel like 
um, there has to be a trade because Steve Kerr even said at his press conference something like, you know, like he's a great person to coach, which we like, yada, yada, yada. This guy, I'm kind of like, um, what is it? Trying to quote him, but I can't. Yeah, I you're like a trying to political correct. Yeah, I, I think another thing why he plays Anthony Lamb, and we've seen games where he just rests Steph, Clay, Dre, and Wiggs. Just to show the front office that this is what this second unit of this team looks like. I mean, the the Cavs game in Cleveland where the second unit took over, that was like a Ty Jerome insanity run right there. 18 points. Ty Jerome is a solid player, I will admit. I'd rather have Ty Jerome upgraded to a roster spot than Anthony Lamp. But I think he's trying to show the front office that it, it, other than the starting five and Jonathan Kaminga, Dante DiVincenzo, and Jordan Poole, there's no one that he can put out there that will be make an impact and go get you a bucket when it when is needed or be well, solid fits for this the team. Fits yeah, the exactly. Offense. He doesn't have a GP two or Otto Porter Jr. that the off that the front office luckily ran into last uh, season. I'm not gonna give him full credit, you know. GP two was, I mean, I was I was here last August and it, that it was a mistake GP two over Avery Bradley, <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, hey, and Steph and Steph was the one yeah. who ran Avery Bradley over him. So, yeah, so, I think I mean, yeah. The yeah. problem if we're gonna talk back the kids again, the problem with like these guys, especially I'll just go down the list. Moses Moody, right? Um, he can't stand the court. He can't defend. He can't stay in front of them. Um, I'm not trying to, like, bash Moses Moody. It's more of, like, a critique. I just watch every single game. Like, if those threes don't fall, like, he can't defend. And that's just something that needs to be improved on if he wants to be out there. He did well in that Dallas series. I think he played a couple games in that series. But, like, other than that, it seems like he has that sophomore slump and – you know, like time's kind of ticking right now because he's in the G League right now. And I don't know, G League is kind of like stat pad league, most likely, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of guys who go down there who aren't first round picks like Moses Moody was. And then Luca Garza is like, Luca Garza dominates that G League. And you look at him when he comes up, he's not even playing. Like, it, it's a completely different story from G I mean, League. Luca Garza dominated when he was at Iowa and he was drafted in the second round. And in yeah. the second round. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 sometimes the college doesn't translate to the NBA and the G League doesn't translate to G, or G League doesn't translate to the NBA. It's two entirely different leagues. And I, I do like Moses as a player, and I thought he, when he came in game two of the Western Conference Finals, because Damian Lee was goddamn disaster, and he played well, even though I have to give Damian Lee his credit because he's balling right now in the sun, you know. I yeah, didn't he know, is. I, yeah, I didn't know, him I his flowers. I didn't know. I didn't. I miss him because of how good he is now, but, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought Moses Moody was he was going to be a solid player for the future. And once they won the title, I got hooked back on the two timeline system uh, Kool Aid, and <laughs> I thought he would be a good rotational piece for the Warriors. And 
he just wasn't sticking in the rotation. I think to get a player at the trade deadline, he will most likely have to be shipped out with Wiseman. And they're going to have to attach probably a first round pick because Wiseman has no trade value at all. And Moses Moody is, he has some trade value. You obviously could see how well he played in the postseason last year, but it's minimal as well. And I think the Warriors, most glaring needs are an athletic wing and a big man. And I think they have to address at least one of those. Yeah. I mean, let's move on. James Wiseman. Um, he gets paid $10 million to sit on the bench and he gets paid more money than Kevon Looney. And I have a problem with that. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of like still believers. Yeah, he he can someday be a good player. But it's just not going to be in the Warriors. Why? Because look at the system that he's in. The system isn't tailored to James Wiseman's skill set. Um, when you look at the past bigs, you look at Andrew Bogut, you look at David West, you look at Zaza Pachulia. Those guys weren't really, or JaVale McGee, those guys weren't like uh, a face-up big, post-up. They were more IQ guys. And... They knew how to play defense. James Wiseman does not have any of those two. People want to say the 30 points in Brooklyn. Uh, uh, FYI on that one. Uh, that it was, was garbage like a time, guys. It was garbage time. The Warriors were losing. The Warriors gave up like 80 points in the first half. That was like a 40-point blowout. I wouldn't be impressed with that, too. And, you know, there is stats out there saying how he's a net negative whenever you're playing with Steph. Whenever he's playing with Steph. Um, I don't want to say this, but uh, how bad do you really have to be to have a net negative whenever you're playing with Steph? That has been since his rookie season and to this season. Like, it's just out there. That's the stats. That's even the eye test, too. Like, you can say, oh, I'm just a box score watcher. Like, I've watched mostly every single game with Wiseman, too. Look at the game. I just, I just don't – I am not impressed. And I haven't been impressed since, like, rookie season. I was a Wiseman truther, you know. I yeah. admit that. I admit that, you know, when the Warriors, when I was watching that 15 and 50 season, it was like Wiseman over both Anthony Edwards and <laughs> I said that because he was the – I thought he was the right fit. Obviously, I was proven wrong and – Gotta just suck up your pride and admit it that it was he's turning into a bust currently. And I think he can be a solid NBA I think he can be a good NBA rotational big and play 10, 12 minutes a night, but I don't think that'll be on the Warriors. And I think it's kind of looking even more obvious with how Steve deals with the rotations. James Wiseman has been healthy for two weeks now since he came back from the ankle injury. I don't think he's played a minute. Nope. I don't think so. Nope. And, and people might say, why not send him to the G League? What would going to the G League help Wiseman if he wanted to play on the actual NBA team, on the, on the Warriors roster? I like Nothing. the guy. I think he's a great guy. I just don't think he's the right player for the Warriors, and I think a divorce is needed, and I think they need to go their separate ways. Um, and 
I, I think it would be a mistake to just let him sit here again because you're just eating ten million dollars of steam salary for just doing what I'm doing, drinking Gatorade and sitting. That's all. He's got back. He got courtside tickets, though. He got courtside view to Steph Curry. (laughs) He does. He has courtside tickets. I mean, you know, that's why I wouldn't mind being an NBA bench warmer. If you were to pay me $10 million, the amount of money that James Wiseman's getting paid, and it'd be an NBA bench warmer and watch the greatest shooter of all time every night, sign me up. Shoot. Hey, I gotta even do it for like a vet minimum. That's like a million bucks. I don't even have to do it. Yo, yeah. you need, I can be a water boy. You need water, you need a towel, <laughs> as long as you getting paid for it, babe. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah, I just think it's it, it's just time. Um, yeah. And I think this trade deadline, there's going to be a lot of teams out there who are just already putting, making it known that they're going to be sellers. And I think Jazz is an interesting situation with Malik Beasley, who's, shooting 38% from three. Um, and then Jared Vanderbilt, who's a solid rotational player, where you could get a Jakob Pertl. You know, Warriors fans don't like him for some reason. I mean, he's a big man. You just need him to sit in the paint. But, um, I mean, there's they just need an athletic wing and a big man. That's all I ask. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like this trade um, deadline is going to be very interesting because – we saw how Minnesota uh, and the Jazz with that whole Rudy Gobert thing where they got like four first round or like six first round picks or something like that. I feel like that is going to affect and like inflate the asking prices of so many of these, um, what is it, these sellers. Um, when you look at like the Bulls with like Alex Caruso, teams want like two first round picks with that, I think. Or you look at um, I think uh, Jake Crowder. Two first round picks for Alex Crusoe is insane. Jesus. Yeah, like Jake Crowder, like Rudy, in the first rounder. Rudy, Rudy Gobert has ruined the market ever since that deal. God damn, Rudy. ruined it again. I mean, how many picks did the Jazz give up? Or it was six picks, at? I think. Four, and then like Walker Kessler. So like five, man. Jeez. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting, um, but I'm not getting my hopes up because I yeah. saw I saw the 2021 trade deadline go by and pass, and yeah, so no. Yeah, I mean, 2021 was different. 21-21 was different just from the fact that Clay was not there and healthy, and I think front office knew that without a healthy Clay, I don't think they could have had any shot at the championship, which I understand. But I'm still angry at the fact that with how high of a level Steph was playing that year that they still didn't do anything. But I think now it's just you see that eight man rotation play against Toronto and how they played against last night. Even in the first half, I'm just highlighting the first half because they didn't second half was Okay, so you got back in the game, but um, A players, it just looks like a solid rotation that's just missing one to two pieces. I think one, I think will be perfectly fine if it's a 
big or an athletic wing or just one or the other. I think you get a solid nine man rotation. Could be cooking with grease. Yeah, we are. Um, but I feel like Warriors uh, tour has been clamoring for a trade, like you said, in 2021. But I have a feeling, too, that they're not even going to do anything. That's yeah, just I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, which is why I don't want people to get their hopes up, you know. Yeah, people are saying Jared Vanderbilt or Alex Caruso, um, PJ Washington. I would be immensely surprised if they do that. Immensely surprised. I yes, think I would too. What this team is, look, I think they may look at the buyout market, but I would just still be, be immensely surprised. I just don't know who will be available in the buyout market is the question. I know we're talking about trades and all that, but you look at like the front office – like and Bob Myers, like the oh boy. or like yeah, like the disconnect between Lakeup versus like Bob Myers and Steve Kerr. Because yeah, it feels like Lakeup wants to go one direction, Steve and Bob want to go the other direction. That for some article, reason, and that athletic article painted a real bad picture of Joe Lakeup. Yeah, That's if you like, want to give a summary, give a summary for the listeners if they haven't read it. Uh, so the summary of that article that was published last week was Joe Lacob wanting to have a bigger role in the front office with draft, free agents, etc. And Bob Myers and him, with Bob Myers' contract coming up at June, July, yeah, the and, end of the season, I and, think. Yeah, him still not having a contract extension. The athletic guys were debating, is there a sort of disconnect between Joe Lacob and Bob Myers had the butting heads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it just it paints the light. It, it shows what happened in 1997, 1998 with the Chicago Bulls with Jerry Krause wanting to tear that down and start a – not a rebuild, but look to look toward the future, and his um, breakup with Phil Jackson, not getting along with him, and then the Bulls win a title, and then Phil Jackson gets fired, Michael Jordan retires, and everyone gets shipped out. And I think it looks really similar with Joe Lacob right now. Draymond's. Contract soon to be up. Bob Myers not having an extension. Steph, Clay needs a new deal. I mean, it, it, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be, I think it'll be one of the biggest mistakes this franchise makes, and it'll set them back for years if they don't give Bob Myers an extension. With what he's yeah. done for this, with what he's done for this franchise, is yeah. remarkable. It's actually interesting, too, with the timing of, like, a couple articles that came out about Joe Lacob. Like, it's like a – like, it was, like, a couple weeks before the trade deadline. It's like, I think this is kind of, like, the Warriors, like, you know, general management, Steve Kerr players, kind of, like, putting the pressure on Joe Lacob to make moves. Because I think this is, like, the first time I remember where, like, the media was on, like, the trade side. Like, they need to trade people for, like, um, players, I think. I don't know if I was wrong, but like, um, yeah, the Jerry Krause polls, it's becoming similar. Um, and it's like, 
it's going to be a mistake, like you said. Like, the Bulls haven't touched any sort of success. Like, yeah, they've been to the playoffs, but they haven't touched, like, an Easter Conference Finals, like, ever since Jordan. I don't know if I was mistaken there, but I don't think they have. That could be the same case for the Warriors, you know. Once Steph is gone, you know, ah, it's chalked. It's over. Like, people I mean, might say, oh, yeah. you're, not a, you're not a Warriors fan. You're just a staff fan, but like no, you you will really experience. You will, yeah, you will feel you will, it. You will feel how different it is that Steph is not a warrior, and if that is because Joe Lacob wants to push all the core guys out and start this two timeline, look for the future BS. It's not going to be pretty for this franchise, and this and there's going to be a lot of backlash from the fans, and he's going to have to deal with that, and that's his fault. And it would be easily, like I said before, one of the biggest mistakes if he just, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. And I, you will see a lot of Warriors fans, or a lot of once Steph retires, a lot of fans just backtrack their way out because they were Steph Curry fans. And I mean, I don't blame them. Steph Curry's an entertaining player. So, but you know, it'll be, it won't be pretty once he retires if this, I, I, I think that when there is a dynasty, the end of the dynasty is never pretty. And I think we're nearing the end of that. And I think it won't be a pretty breakup just from the fact you look at the Bulls, they won six championships. And then of that year, then of that year, you could tell the tension was there from the last, while watching the last dance documentary. And then the breakup wasn't pretty when everyone was shipped out and MJ retired, Phil Jackson left, et cetera. And then you look at the Lakers too. And while that was more like a player fallout, that was still a bad breakup. I think yeah. those are like really the two dynasties that I like, like are recent. And then you have the Warriors where, yeah, it feels like it's coming to an end, obviously. Um, this really hinges on how much Steph can go. I think he has three more years of like this kind of production. But, you know, we've said this and, so many damn episodes go all in with yeah. Steph. And the, I never... think the important thing to take away from that article, if I can interrupt. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, is that the reigning finals MVP, Steph Curry, has become increasingly vocal about his win-now perspective. And Bob Myers has been the primary voice easing Curry's concerns regarding the franchise's direction and commitment to the present. Curry's bent it is for Warriors management to maximize the championship window, insisting it's still open. One has to wonder how the face of the franchise would respond to losing the face of the front office, whose signature moves for Andre Godala, Kevin Durant, and Andrew Wiggins were pivotal to winning rings. Which is why I will sit, stand on that statement, that if Joe Laco pushes Bob Myers out and does not extend him, it's, gonna, it's going to be one embarrassing move for this franchise and it's going to set them back and i think that'll be like the first domino that'll be the first domino to fall and i think the second one second will probably be draymond yeah and then then steve and then clay and then last one will be steph that's how that's going to end if 
Bob Myers. I I don't want to like be like hella negative about it, yeah, but I'm like not being pet- I, I I if you were to ask me right now if I think Bob Myers is going to get an extension, I think they're going to work something out. That's just, I'm just an optimistic person. I think that will something will happen, but I would not be surprised if nothing happens and he and he just walks out. Yeah. I mean, we're it's going to be interesting. Interesting end of this season, off season and the next couple of seasons. It's going to be interesting to see how everything's going to unfold. How this story, how the story of the core the core 3 um is going to end. Is it going to be riding off into a sunset or is it going to be an ugly an ugly ending like the Chicago Bulls? It's going to be interesting. That's uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, there's twenty six and twenty four. That's fifty games. There's thirty two games left. So I mean, cherish the thirty two games we have left, and hopefully the Warriors can get back to the promised land. Pending mm-hmm. making moves, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, that'll conclude episode one hundred and fifteen of the Catch and Dubs podcast. Uh, make sure you uh, follow us on all social media platforms. And the Warriors are in Minnesota tomorrow night, Wednesday, February first, and look to extend that winning streak to four games. So we'll see you when we see you. That's for real, sure. Peace. Yes.